What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have like a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse Podcast. I am your regular host, Brendan Nunez, and today we have a guest on here. It is Jillian Adge from Twitter. How are you doing, Jill? I'm doing good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Of course. So, I was stalking your Twitter a little bit to find some of your thoughts (laughs) and ask you some questions. And... I saw that you were a Game of Thrones fan, Game of Thrones fan, and I've been getting a crazy amount of hate for not having watched this show at all. I was wondering if you could make a pitch to me on why I should. Okay. You haven't had, you haven't seen one episode at all. Not a single episode, no. Okay, well, do you watch any of that kind of genre at all? Not really. See, that's kind of where it is, is that I just don't watch that much TV. Okay, gotcha. I can understand. Well, I don't know if I would even say so much this this season, but at least all the seasons up to where they at least had books, where it was already written for them, um, and they just had to bring the visuals to life. Um, Probably some of the best, I would say... um, storytelling and then when it comes to cinematography and the images you get the fantasy aspects are cool I mean you know when you have a woman that can control dragons and you know can on command make them breathe fire it's pretty badass Um, I mean really and it's it's most, I mean, I enjoy it too because it's, it's strong female characters that are doing a lot of the badass stuff, which is refreshing to see, refreshing to see on TV. Yeah. So, um, just in that aspect alone. And then really it, it was one of the, the first shows that I can remember where literally no character is safe. I mean, anytime you watch it, literally anybody can die. The The lead character can just die at the snap of a finger. And that doesn't, that doesn't happen on um, most, most TV shows or even most movies. So it's kind of broke the mold in that way where you really, if you didn't read the books at least, you really had no way of knowing up from down, left or right, of where it was going to go episode by episode. So, I mean, when it comes to a lot of TV shows, it can kind of be cliche or 
you can kind of guess what's going to happen at least halfway through an episode, where these ones will, you can guess all you want, and if you're lucky, you get it right. So it's, it's kind of refreshing to have to have that for an episode a week. So. Yeah. So then is it just like a constantly rotating, bringing in new people cast, or is there is there main characters that actually last for a little while? Oh, there, there's a, a handful that, it, that have lasted from the first episode on, but there are so many characters that lasted for either one episode, maybe five episodes, maybe just for a season. Um, yeah, so I mean, it, it kind of varies, but it's, it's few and far between that have lasted from the beginning to now. But, and which is interesting to see the character arc that they've created for these characters, too, after eight years. So, yeah, you get a little bit of all of it. Yeah, everyone, everyone I know has been telling me to hop on this, so I really feel like I need to. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I get it. Some people, it's just, it's not their genre, but, I mean, I say at least give it a shot. If you don't like it, then you don't like it. Yeah. So... Hopping into a little bit of Kings here. I know that we had you on the episode where we uh, spent about five minutes with everyone and asked him a few questions, but we didn't really expand on anything. So that's kind of what I was thinking we could do today. And starting with uh, sort of your Kings fandom history. I know that you said that you your family had season tickets when you were younger. Um, about how yeah. long would you say that you've a big Kings fan for? Well, um, the Kings actually came to Sacramento the year I was born. So, um, I would say pretty much since birth (laughs) that, um, I, I was a Kings fan. Um, my parents grew up around here, but obviously the Kings weren't here, so they were Warriors fans. But once Sacramento got a team, like a lot of people, um, you end up going and, you know, supporting the team that has your, your city name, or you kind of get roots that way. If you're not a huge fan of another, another franchise, whereas, oh, you could follow them because that's the closest local team. But then once Sacramento got a team, like with most things in Sacramento, you end up being all about that Sacramento team. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and then growing up, my parents, um, took me to games, um, they had uh, season tickets, um, you know, when when we were little. Um, and then as we got older, um, we ended up just sharing with uh, breaking it up into four different families. And you have about mm, anywhere from like 12 to 20 games, you know, during the year, depending on how you guys split it up. But we make it fun where we'd meet up before the season started and we'd have like a draft, essentially based on um, the schedule. And so we'd rotated each year who, you know, who was one, two, three, four, and then the next year, you know, it it rotates. So everyone kind of got a chance to have the first pick and things like that. And then um, once I got old enough and obviously started making my own money, uh, I went in just specifically with my dad and we got our own season tickets. And so um, now it's pretty much just I have a seat and then my parents have a seat. And, uh, yeah, and so we go to games and then I'll, you know, I take my nieces and nephews and have started them young. So they're all 
they're all Kings fans now. But unfortunately for them, unlike me, where I got to see, you know, bad years, then good years, then bad years, they've only ever seen the bad and just watched the videos <laughs> of the good years. Um, so it's been a little bit harder for them, but, uh, but you know, they're, so, they're still fans and they still, they still come and are out there, but they're getting a little bit more exciting now. So they're kind of starting to see that a little bit to where they're even like asking me now, Hey, can I have tickets and go with my friends? Like, can we do that? So, um, it's nice seeing them get excited, uh, you know, in the city itself in that fact, but, and then too, and then growing up, um, we, I would travel, um, to different cities and, and watch them too and kind of see, um, other locations and arenas and things like that. So there was a cool one where we went in high school. I went with a group of 10 friends. It was like my junior year. I don't know how, I mean, our parents somehow let us do it. There were 10 of us. We were good kids at least though. So I think that's how we got away <laughs> with it. But we went for a weekend and we made shirts and, um, and went and watched um, a Blazers-Kings game. And it was funny being there, and it was, this had to have been about 2002 during, you know, our good our good stretch and at the height of it. But there were Kings fans all around us, too, at, um, it was the Rose Garden back then, um, which was really cool. I mean, you're going and traveling, and Portland, you have a pretty good travel because it's not that far of a of a plane ride, but... We had teachers from, like, Granite Bay around us and things like that. Um, but then on our – and Cozumore back then when he was doing the sideline stuff, he came up and interviewed us, and we, like, painted sheets. We went to a paint store and, like, painted sheets um, from the hotel with, like, the King's logo and did a whole thing. And then on our flight back, um, Coach Adelman and his wife were on the flight with us, and they actually sat with us and talked to us like the whole time wow. we're asked they just us about ourselves um what we thought of the game like things like that i mean and it's just you don't see that you know with in like so many different things where we say that about sacramento where the kings and the team when it comes to interactions where you just don't see it in a lot of places but how often would you know a coach and his wife on their own time sit with you, talk it out with you about your trip, make sure everybody treated you right, yeah. um, and just thank, and thank you, like, for for being fans and for going. It was, I mean, he had kids that were around our age at the time, too, so, um, but it was just really cool. I mean, it was a really cool experience, and, you know, it's something that you'll never forget, so, and just keep cementing your your passion and your love for, um, you know, those teams and players and things like that. So, um, but yeah, having those kind of experiences growing up was, was really cool. Yeah. You're definitely a qualified longtime fan. So <laughs> having been to, you said like a few different stadiums, how is the Kings fan yeah. experience? Because I, I've probably been to five teams, four stadiums because staple counts as two. And, the Kings Stadium yeah. is just insanely loud. Like I, at summer league this year, it was deafening at times. It, yeah. Oh, d definitely. Um, and then even to where I noticed compared to maybe when other other fan bases travel here, I've heard comments on it where I had um, fans uh, who traveled from Toronto last year 
uh, when they played and were just saying how impressed they were with our fan base coming here. And then when I've gone there, we have a lot of fun too in, and respectfully in the arena with the fans. Um, and always get really good comments like, you guys travel really well. Um, wow. like they're pretty much always respectful. It makes it fun. You know, you get into it with each other. But when you do that and you do it in, you know, a certain manner, everybody has a good time. It's, yeah. It makes it enjoyable. But you do notice it. I think we, we have another level that we get to um, between Arco and, and Golden One for sure compared to, um, to other arenas, I think. And just almost kind of like um, knowledge where we we continue to come around where not many franchises you have such a um, a ratio of losing winning seasons, and yet you still come out year after year and are still that passionate. Yeah, uh, there's definitely something to be said for that. Where I've sat in other ones, and it's they're actually a good team, and there's nobody there, and it's. You know, it's Kings fans being louder than the home team. Yeah. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, but it just makes you, yeah. I mean, where I think so many players when they come here, they see that and they're just like, wow. Yeah. Um, you hear about it, but then when you see it, you understand it. Yeah, like you touched at the end. I mean, that does a lot for the player base. You know, they want all these fans to be rooting for them and play in a great environment. And just the whole city has really gotten behind the Kings, uh, has been for a while behind the Kings, and it does a lot for them. You were talking about that most of the time your interactions with other places are respectful. Is there certain yeah. certain fan bases, certain situations where that's not the case? Um, I have a hat. Well, I mean, I will say anytime, at least when we play the Lakers or the Warriors or where I've gone there, kind of happened just not as much. Maybe because we're not as abrasive, or I mean, even if we were winning, I don't know if we would be as as bad as some of the some of you know those fans are coming into to our arena like they are. But being that we're normally on the not good end of it, it's like, what are we gonna say? I mean that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that it's when they come in all cocky and yeah, and and yeah. almost kind of look to cause problems at times, and then you have alcohol involved, and it just yeah, yeah it goes from there. But yeah, I mean it's most of the time it it does end up being where you just have obnoxious fans that are just looking to cause yeah. a problem. But I can't really say I've had that issue myself. Okay. This and being annoyed where it's like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> yeah. And probably annoyed because the team's losing in a way. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah. Are you currently paying off student debt? Interested in improving your financial literacy or looking for new ways to earn income in today's ever-changing digital landscape? Well, on the Talk Money with Mesh Lakani podcast, Mesh will follow paper trails, chat with experts, and break down complex ideas to bring clarity to the mystical financial phenomena. Each episode will be filled with compelling stories covering a broad range of subjects, from buying Bitcoin, dealing with student debt, and everything in between. 
Listen to Talk Money with Mesh Lakani on Spotify or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts and learn how to spend, invest, and earn for today's economy. So, I mean, you've been around it for a while. You've been to a good amount of games. Is there a moment or a few moments that specifically stick out in your memory? Um, oh, well, for sure, the, the baby shot. And, uh, yeah, I was at that game with my dad and we were, um, with our neighbors who had, um, an upper level box. So for people that have been to Arco will know what that means. They, his construction company owned a box and, um, we had, you know how we shared four different families. We got lucky because, um, you know, you might get one playoff game out of the series because it's split between your groups. Well, our neighbors at the time, well, he had two boxes for his construction company, and whenever they had extra tickets or workers couldn't get it, they'd come over and be like, hey, do you guys want these tickets? And, of course, you're not going to turn those down. Yeah. And so we ended up getting the box seats for that game. Um, so, yeah, being there, seeing that shot, I remember jumping up and down with my dad, and we're like, there's no way, like, they can lose us now. Like, that was it, you know, and then lo and behold, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everything else that happened after that. But still, like, I still vividly, like, I can picture that moment still, like, in my head. Yeah. Um, in my head till this day. I know a lot of people will probably say, like, the the playoff series against Seattle, um, I wasn't there for that. So, I mean, this was kind of my big moment where it was that. And then I was at the game, too, where we lost game seven against the Lakers. So oh, man. that one I saw the highest of highs and then literally sat there for the lowest of lows. Yeah. And, wow. it, yeah, so those are probably the two biggest things. And then being there for, um, you know, the opening of Golden One, and the last games at, at Arco, you know, that kind of stuff. But in-game moments, those were definitely, uh, yeah, that Laker series is, I can still picture it all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, that's amazing that you got to be there to experience some of those. And I, tying it to this recent iteration or the current iteration of the Kings, is there is there moments from last season that stand out in any sort of way? Oh, the the bogey shot against the Lakers for oh, sure. Um, I mean ones. that one. Yeah, that's that was crazy. Um, I'm trying to think. Um, I mean it's always cool seeing guys get their first you know minutes as rookies and things like that. You know, seeing like guys like Harry Giles get his first minutes and baskets and just how yeah. excited he was. But I, I mean, really, it was just fun watching those guys play last year. Yeah, it, it really made it enjoyable. They were they were just a lot of fun, um, and how fast they were! It was yeah. crazy. Um, you know, you see it on TV, but then when you see it in person, you're just uh, it's yeah, it's a whole nother level. Yeah, I was but, lucky yeah, enough sure to be there. Shot, it's a big one. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's what everyone thinks of probably from this year is the first <laughs> reaction to that. I was lucky enough to be there for. Um, for Bagley's career high, which was against the Suns, and okay. then also for the game where Buddy broke the record. And that was cool to be oh, part okay. of that standing ovation, too. Between him and Peja and all that, yeah. yeah. 
that was kind of a, that was a cool moment. Yeah. And it's really cool going to the games and you see, you know, so many of those guys every game where you're seeing Bobby, you're seeing Tasia, Brad Miller comes to so many games, you know, and then of course Vladdy's there. Like it's, I mean, there's just, again, there's not many times where you go to a game and you have so many guys that were part of that kind of run around all the time. Doug Christie. I mean, it's, so it's still really cool to see those faces and the crowds all the time. Yeah, it's definitely great. And you hope that some of these guys that are currently playing will be that in the future. And I mean, you have to feel good about the direction this team is going, right? I mean, last season was so exciting, borderline playoffs. Yep. We, of course, hope for the best, but kind of have learned to expect not great things. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just seeing what they were able to do, at least that first half. And now, to me, it's it's kind of how you're teaching guys the first year of how to play, you know, an you know 80-plus season game and multiple games in a week. When you think about how many guys we have coming out of uh, one year in college, they have no idea. I mean, there's you're not prepared. Your seasons are not like that, you know, between high school or college. So it's you can understand that growing curve. And for as frustrated as people get, I mean, what these guys have been able to do in two years and kind of create this identity for themselves is really impressive. And now it's just getting them to to learn how to do that for an 80-plus game season consistently. And that's, I mean, that's a hard thing where it's just part of the growing process, especially when we have so many young guys um, that, that are really part of your, you know, your starting and reserve core, that you can't expect them all to just, you know, flip the light switch um, yeah, right away. It's, as, yeah. you know, as much as we want it now, because we've been waiting so long. And I think that's kind of going to be hard for next year where we have these expectations because we were so close to the playoffs that, um, you know, and none of the West teams are really going to be dropping in talent, I don't think. And based on how the lottery fell, a lot of the teams below us are just going to be getting better as well. Yeah. So um, it's going to be really interesting where even when these guys continue to make, you know, progress in these jumps that still where are we going to fall in a ridiculous West, especially if free agents still come this way and not leave like maybe some people expect, you know, free agents to switch around where, um, it's yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that, how that works itself out. But I mean, if, at this point, as long as I can, con- I can see them continuing to improve. We're on the right track. I mean, who knows what's going on with the whole coaching thing right now. But, I mean, you just have to hope that, you know, they're focusing on what, you know, figuring that out along with free agents and everything else that they're going to gonna fit this style. So. Yeah. And kind of talking on this off season a little bit, I know you have a list of names, but I wanted to start with, talking about Harrison Barnes because there's a lot of talk on him potentially opting out of that player option and restructuring into a little bit of a cheaper but more long-term for some stability. And he's already been representing the Kings over, and I want to say it was India, 
and different places yeah. like that. I mean, I, I and it's already talking about the next season being yeah. king, and I just want to focus on that. Yeah. Yeah. So, are you? Yeah. I. It sounds like that you're in the same boat as me, where you're very happy with bringing Barnes back long term. I have no problem with that now. I'm. So, I'm still curious, money wise, um, what yeah. both sides are thinking. But I mean, if it's a reasonable kind of what you've been hearing, then. I mean, I, I don't have an issue with it because based on what's available at those positions and realistically yeah. what you would be getting, I don't know that we would be able to get someone with his caliber. And he's already, you know, had a partial season to kind of fit in with these guys, you know, and see how it works. And honestly, he played really good when he was here. I had no issue yeah. with his play at all. Um, he impressed me and did a lot more than I thought of what was going to be coming over. So, um, yeah, I, I really don't have any issues with that at all. Yeah, and it feels like he's been around a lot, but he's actually still on the younger side a little bit there as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. And he, he, his, age, his age range fits in with, with kind of what we have with these young guys. So, yeah. And... Talking about the money for it a little bit, kind of the the idea that I've had. So his player option next year would be twenty five million. How would you feel about lowering that five million a year? So say we did four years, eighty million. That's kind of what we've been hearing. Yeah, I'm. I I don't have an issue with that. Okay. Yeah, I'm about in the same boat there. And then getting into some of these off season names that you hear. I guess starting, what are the improvements that you feel like are needed in this roster? Backup point guard, even though we still technically have Yogi and Frank on the books, um, I think if you can still continue to uh, uh, improve in that area, I just don't think that we had uh, very much consistency. Um, and then, you know, it's, it also is hard on Fox where if you don't have that consistency um, with our style of play, uh, I think that kind of had a little bit to do with maybe the drop off a little bit at the end where, um, you know, I mean, I think it was one game he sat out the whole season and that's pretty rare that, yeah. um, that that happens, especially with younger guys and at that pace where, um, I, if, if you want to make these runs to the end of the year and still continue to play at that pace, I think he needs help where he can get some rest and it doesn't go into a free fall. So uh, definitely backup point guard. Um, I still want to see more shooting at the wing depth, whether it's two or three. Um, I mean, we see that, that I'm kind of, you know, not with the whole individual uh, position thing where it's, you know, yeah. just wing depth in general, just because players play so many. Um, you know, twos play threes, threes play twos, fours play five. I mean, it's threes play four. You see it all. So just, again, wing depth. Um, I think we need a little bit more height in that area as well. I think that hurt us um, a lot last year because we were playing twos, threes, and, you know, threes, twos, threes, fours, fours, threes, things like that. Um, I think more height helps. And then um, 
I would like to see something else uh, with the four and five position, whether um, it's getting someone more um, guys that can stretch the floor, because I think as many guys as you can have that can stretch the floor, uh, the better Fox will continue to be. And we, yeah. uh, you saw that a lot kind of with when it came to, to Willie and Bagley or Giles and Bagley at times where it's, um, Bagley, it got a lot better at, you know, stretching the floor, but that wasn't Willie's game. And so when you can have, like, when you see Burke Lopez out there yesterday, um, how he can stretch the floor so much that it just opens it up for Fox so much, which is why people got frustrated with Coach for starting um, the Elisa last year. But I also got the reasoning where he was saying that he stretches the floor for Fox, where it's not five guys standing in the middle of the lane and there's nothing he can do. So I just think continuing um, basically those three big things and, and keep stretching the floor because um, Fox is your man, so anything to make it easier on him. Um, yeah. So starting with that big, I guess the first name to throw at you, and I think I already know how you feel about this, but just to hear your thoughts a little bit, is we see people talking about maxing Vucevic. What are your? He's only 28, and he does what we need, but it would be nearly all of our money at this one guy. And that's kind of my issue where I, I like him as a player, but I don't like spending all our money on one player either just because I think we have multiple things that we still need to improve on. Yeah. Um, I, I would say I would need to see the accompanying moves if you plan to sign him um, or at least what your long-term goal is. Because supposedly some of the friction last year, too, was the minute distribution in that between the bigs. So um, going after that as well doesn't necessarily make the most sense if that was true. Yeah. So, um, but again, yes, he does fit what we're looking for. But is it worth maxing out? I, I just think we still have a lot of other things that we need to that we need to work on. So I, I would rather see it spread out some. Yeah, Unless there. you can see what other moves that they're making, that it, it somehow allows them to do that, but I don't know. Yeah. So then the other two main names we see thrown in there would be Brooke Lopez that you touched on, that I think is probably perfect in regards to the rim protection and spacing. And then, but there's a good chance that he's going to end up staying in Milwaukee, I feel like. And right. the other one in there yeah. is Dwayne Dedman. How do you feel about the both of those? Yep, those were my two as well. Um, okay. I would be perfectly happy with, with both of those. Yeah, perfectly fine. Realistically, I don't, I think we probably have a better shot at Dedman than we would at Lopez just because yeah. of where he is now and the run they're making. I don't know if any of their free agents really would want to. To leave that same with um, Mirtich too. I don't know if he'd want to leave that because that's another you know kind of tweener guy where he stretches the floor. Um, another yeah. interesting one too that where he got no playing time last year is that Vladi apparently liked coming out of the draft was Kaminsky. Huh, I know okay. it's not a flashy name, but he's another guy that stretches the floor, and you might be able to get him cheap. Mm -hmm. Holmes from Phoenix 
if yeah. you're looking for another kind of guy like Willie, but even more so, where you're going to get it really every night, um, he's not bad either. And he's still super young, and I think you could get him probably on a, a decent deal. Yeah. So um, when it comes to centers, those are the ones that I'm looking at. Okay. I've heard Ed Davis a little yeah. bit at times. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. The King's Pulse podcast is recorded and hosted on Anchor. It is the easiest way to make a podcast, and it is 100% free. It gives you everything you need to record, edit all of it so it sounds smooth and professional, and upload it all from your phone and or your computer. They distribute your podcast to every major platform. They give you an opportunity to make some money in the process as well. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Moving on to back of point guard. What seems to be the ideal, and I'm on board with this, the number one option would be Patrick Beverly. Are right. you Are you in the same boat with that? I know it depends on money, and it's the same thing with Lopez, where he has a really good situation going on with the Clippers. But if the Clippers end up having an opportunity for two max guys, then all of a sudden Beverly doesn't have a place there money-wise. Right. Well, and then it becomes to would someone else offer him that money and what is he expecting after how well he played last year? Is he looking for a starting spot somewhere or is he okay being that that yeah. guy? Because, too, I would love to have him as a mentor for us. Yeah. I mean, on defense, God. He's those, He's one of those guys where you hate to play him, and, and as a fan, you hate to go against him, but you love him when he's on your team. Yeah, to have a guy like that around Fox, I would I would love. Um, I just don't know how realistic, again, yeah. it is, because I don't see the Clippers wanting to let go of him. I mean, it probably does become a money thing. Yeah. Um, Interestingly, I was reading something from the yeah. Clippers athletic guy yesterday that even if they w- if the Clippers were to get one max guy, how much money does he think that they would offer Beverly? And he was saying only in the eight to ten range. He didn't think anybody would throw twelve to fifteen because yeah. of some injury history. I mean, how comfortable would you be, or where do you get uncomfortable number wise, and how much you're willing to offer Beverly? I mean, because you're talking about for us as a, you're talking about bringing on a backup. Yeah. Um, and then you have to think can. Then can he, you're going to want him on the court. Can he then play with Fox on the court as well? I don't know if I would offer him more than what they were talking about. Okay. Just because of that. I mean, because then it becomes how much are you paying for backup guys? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And again, I need, I would, I would need to see the other, the other options around it. Yeah. You almost, you need, you need that bigger picture where if paying him more means you might lose out on somebody else, you know, that could fill a hole. Is it worth it? I don't know. But, I mean, but again, the backup point guard names out there aren't all that. Yeah, it's great. To fall I mean, just the names you, it's, yeah, Quinn Cook, Jeremy Lynn, Ian Clark. Uh, Moutier, TJ McConnell, Corey Joseph, Raymond Felton. I mean, like, okay, yeah. but none of those names really, like, jump out off the page at you either. Um, where, to the point where do you say, do you just ride, um, uh, 
Yogi and Mason another year? Or do you go get one of those other guys for cheap and then see what, focus on maybe trying to get someone in 2020? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I get one- it's hard to know, too, where where our front office heads are at either because they did have another change and Williams is gone. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the speculation was Williams was making the decisions or was he? And then now Vladi, you know, is the guy. Um, you know, we hear that they have a vision for all these years out, but yeah, I, and now we have a new coach. So, I, what's Walton style that he wants in a backup point yeah. guard? I don't know either. Yeah. So, or what is what is his minute rotation with guys going to be? We don't know either. Um, but I definitely think they need to focus on defense as well as you know, as much as we want shooting and other things too. Our defense is is horrible. Yeah. So. So is there a backup point guard why, after Beverly? That specifically mm-hmm. interests you? Not really. Yeah. I mean, out of all those names I listed, they're all. I mean, the only good thing is they all. Yeah, they all seem like you could at least get them for decent money, which is a good thing. But none of them really scream like, "Oh yes, I want to target that one right there." Um, yeah. it's a lot of guys to me that are still trying to prove themselves in the league. So. So then going into that that wing position is where it gets interesting because to me, there's a lot of names, but they're all on that same tier of, like you said, kind of those point guards are. Some of them are a little bit more veteran than others, and then some are still more prove yourself. Um, is there, what sort of names do you like right. looking there? Because I feel like this is probably where we're going to spend the least amount of money, I would assume, because it's more of a right. need at the and, other two spots. Yeah. Yep. Here's ones that I wrote some kind of like maybe more so realistic names. They're, you know, not big names by any means, but, um, David Nwaba, Terrence Ross, uh, Furkan Korpaz, uh, Rodney Hood, Damari Carroll, Bohan Bogdanovich, Jermichael Green, Danny Green, Corey Brewer, and then you have Super Mario. Um, That was kind of going down the list of each team and kind of seeing realistically who we might might have a shot at. Um, are we interested in it in any of them? I don't know, but those are names too to me that don't scream like they would be getting a lot of money, except maybe Bohan. I mean, just because he played crazy last year, yeah, when Oladipo went out. But, I mean, I would take him with his shooting 100%. He plays that 3-4. Um, he would stretch for me. The only thing I guess you'd really have to worry about is can he keep up the pace? But his style, I mean, I, I would take that. Do you feel like that there's a need for a veteran presence here? Because I feel like this is where you would get it. Um, and I think that's kind of what they were looking for with Brewer last year. Yeah. Um, I, I do just because Again, with the pace that we play at, I think we were really lucky last year that we didn't have, knock on wood. Um, you know, also, a lot of it, too, was um, Bogey coming back from injury and then trying to play himself into this pace, Yeah, you know, after missing a month, which I think was tough. 
But I do think there's something to be said for, like, when we would bring Corey Bruin, a veteran guy that can go and just bring that energy, get nasty, like, we'll go out there, play defense, um, you know, and if you can add shooting to that, great. But I do think that their main focus, obviously, minutes-wise, is going to be for Buddy and Bogey there. And and maybe one of our second-round picks might go towards that. Um, yeah, but I, I do think it wouldn't be bad to have a veteran presence in that spot, which is why I think the veteran presence at the shooting guard small forward and then a veteran power forward center, you know, any of those combos. Yeah. Um, so then those are those are definitely the three spots. I mean, what is your ideal trio? If you, you know, us not thinking about well, where guys yeah. are likely going to go back or anything like that. Well, some some power forward or, you know, names where some of these guys can play three, four, five, depending on, you know, if you go crazy small. Yeah. Um, but for, you know, the four that are, that are open, it's Marcus Morris, uh, Thaddeus Young, uh, Aminu, Miritich, Julius Randle, um, Tyler Lydon, Mike Scott. Uh, most of these guys, or I think almost all of them except what, Randall, are all, are all playoff guys. Guys that played in the playoffs this year, except Tyler Lydon, where he actually had impact, you know, in the playoffs, yeah. aren't really, you know, aged out. Um, but I also don't think will require, except maybe Randall, I don't really think any of the other ones would totally break your bank. And to me, those are all good stretch guys and that play both sides of the court that I would take as well. So, And that's about playing Bagley at the five, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. So then if you are picking a trio, what are you running with? Oh. I know it's difficult. Um, it sounded well, like you were on Brooke Lopez. And my, my dream trio yeah. <laughs> would be Beverly, Sohan, okay. and I'd say Lopez or Deadman. Okay. Yeah, I'm probably on board with you there. And on and out between those three guys. Yeah. We do technically have Max Money. I know we talked about Vucevic a little bit. Two other names we yeah. see thrown in there a tiny bit would be both of the Philadelphia guys, Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler. Yep. Do either of those interest you or you see a fit in any sort of way there? I've loved Harris for since he was on Orlando, which is funny because there were rumored deals back when DeMarcus was here of Orlando and us having Lucevic and Harris for DeMarcus. So, I mean, that's when you think about that, that's crazy. But, yeah, I've always loved Harris's game. And I know, like, he gets a lot of, crap because he's been on so many teams, but he's also being packaged in deals for legit names as well, where, yeah. you know, he's been thrown in because teams trading him are expecting to get that talent in return as well. So, I mean, um, I can understand that as well, where I don't think it's really a, a mock on him as like a player or a teammate or anything like that. I just think it's been one of those things. But, um, to me, he fit in with our style just fine. And he's another stretch guy. Um, yeah. And he Butler, doesn't demand touches. Yeah. 
Right, right. And you never hear about the ego thing with him. Um, yeah. Where more Butler, you hear about that. So, but again, when he was with Philly, you, I, I mean, at least I haven't seen anything. Um, he seemed to fit in well there. Yeah, in the whole Minnesota situation, to me, I mean, he went about it completely the wrong way, the whole Rachel Nichols interview and all that. But I understand his frustrations in guys with a lot of potential like Wiggins and Cat, but they're just not putting in the effort or the hustle. And yeah. I don't feel like that would be an issue with the Kings. Yeah, and well, and it kind of reminded me of, you know, when the Kings had toxic situations and it was, you know, it's easy to blame the player, you know, at times because they're the guys making the big money and you have to be the bigger person. But, you know, you're you're seeing a lot of stuff, too, with the coaching in the front office and everything else that's going on where it just kind of seemed like a toxic situation there. And they changed a lot of it after they got rid of Butler. It wasn't like he was the only one they got rid of. You know, there are plenty of other moves they made behind the scenes as well. Um, so I think he kind of did where he didn't handle himself well, but he also, I don't think, deserved to get all of the blame either. Yeah. Um, and then you saw him, you know, clean up when he was at Philadelphia. So I wouldn't hate either of those two guys. Um, just because that position is so key in the NBA. Yeah. <laughs> um, you never have enough wings. But, right. Um, but I think, you know, there would also have to be expectations coming in of what what your role and how everyone's going to fit together. Um, yeah. Because I can see Harris being, a, you know, that number two or three guy on a championship team. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, either one of those guys. Yeah, but, yeah. But does Butler want to be that number one guy? I don't know. It's, it's just hard to read. Yeah. yeah. Where Harris, yeah, I, I don't see him having an issue. It won't matter if he's a two, three, four, what, like you saw in Philadelphia. And, you know, how hard is Philadelphia? What are they going to do to keep all those guys? It'll, I mean, it's going to be interesting. It's yeah. Gonna be interesting. I've heard that they want to bring everybody back, but they're going a lot into the luxury tax to do that. So I'm unsure if that's actually right. going to happen. Which you could actually sweep up some decent players that they're not going to be able to keep because of it. So. Yeah. Like a I mean, James Ennis or Jonathan Simmons. Hmm. Yep, yeah, I mean, yeah. It'd be in- interesting to look at, so. Yeah. Another name but, that yeah. we see that is technically on the market is Bradley Beal. And it's a weird situation with Washington. You know, John Wall being hurt likely all of next year also, and his Supermax doesn't even start until next year. Um, we've seen this, I, I've seen this trade hypothetical a couple times, and I wanted to get your thoughts. Bradley Beal is a younger player, and I feel like you can pretty comfortably say is better than Buddy. Um, how would you feel if it was, say, Buddy and Giles was the base of the package and not wor- not worrying about fillers, but Buddy and Giles and whatever else you need for Bradley Beal? Oh, God. Don't make me answer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I guess I don't need a yes or no. I don't want to put you on the spot, but what's kind of your thought process I here? I mean, when we've never really seen him with anybody besides Wall. I mean, besides, you know, when Wall got hurt this year, but yeah. how old is how old is he? Is Beal uh, compared to 
I, I believe that Beale is only 26. I really have to see what other moves, what other moves the Kings would be making in regards to their big rotation then. Yeah. I mean, I like Beale. I love Beale and his talent. I mean, the guy's crazy good. God. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a, I don't know. It's interesting to throw that out there. I wouldn't hate it. Yeah, I wouldn't hate it. Okay. But, there's also, yeah. like, I mean, I was going to say there's no need to rush it, but I think kind of the appeal is that Beal is barely under 26, you know, the same same right. age frame as Buddy here. And what's his, what's his contract situation? He actually is up for, if he is an all-NBA player, which it's looking like he's probably going to be third team, then he's eligible for Supermax extension uh, this mm-hmm. offseason. I guess a lot of it would have to do, would he, yeah, stay here? Yeah. And again, do you want to pay Supermax money where they didn't want to do that with DeMarcus? So, I, I, yeah. Yeah. That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, the last thing that I had for you, and I know you said your parents, and I guess most people in the area that were here before the Kings were Warriors fans originally. Do you have a playoff team that you're rooting for? Is there a little bit of warrior love in there, maybe? Honestly, like, the the Bucks are super likable. I was saying this yesterday. Um, what they've been able to, like, turn around the last couple of years is crazy. Um, but they were really smart. They, they grew their young guys, did it, at least that I can remember, they didn't make any crazy signings or crazy trades that, handicapped them um they were able to make really smart free agent acquisitions and i know you know obviously they drafted really well yeah um but it was kind of that perfect storm where all of the puzzle pieces kind of fell fell together and then you know making the smart coaching decision but to me yeah to me like they're they're just super likable and easy to root for um They've kind of been the team I've probably enjoyed the most. That, and to me, Portland's fun to watch as well. I mean, I've always liked um, Damian Lillard and wanted him to be a king. Um, But, yeah. I mean, that's a whole other. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. I mean, but to me, really, like, the Bucks are a fun story. I mean, they went from one of, you know, the jokes in the league to, you know, having the best record. So, and really all likable guys, again, all likable guys. Yeah. So, I mean, if you had to put a prediction on who you think is taking it, is anybody taking down the Warriors? I just got a notification during the middle of this. Durant's not actually going to be back until game, uh, or he's ruled out for games three and four. And this could take a little while. I don't know if this rolls over into the finals at all, but do you see anyone taking down these Warriors? I think if anyone has a shot, to me, it'd be Milwaukee. Yeah. They seem to me, to me, they're the most complete team out of, out of the East. Complete team-wise. Um, you know, as good as um, Leonard is, to me, Milwaukee's the, you know, they have the package. Yeah. So, they the have Raptors the good really starters, the good bench. Play. I mean, they're, yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't get frazzled. You know, they, they stay, um, they stay with their game plan and 
again, it's it's a whole team effort too. Like as good as Giannis is, like it's still very much, you know, not just about him, which is, you know, which is cool to see. So, yeah. yeah. If anyone, I would say it would be Milwaukee. You know, again, if anyone could do it. Yeah. But. I'm in the same yeah. boat with you. And the stars would have to align just right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I still think, and you know, in a way, because I grew up in the Bay Area and watching the Warriors, like my dad always yelling at the TV during the terrible Warriors years. So I kind of have a soft spot <laughs> and especially without Durant, like that was the Warrior team that I enjoyed. So I'm kind of excited right. that they're playing that way again without him not not anything with the Durant injury obviously but I'm glad to kind of see Steph go go crazy again yeah and I I can totally understand that yeah 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 but that was well and it's gonna be really interesting to see how that that whole thing plays out and their free agency situation coming up to the next few years between KD Clay um and green, you know, all coming up for free agency. So yeah, we just need more yeah. people to move to the east, right? <laughs> well, and a lot of people were saying too when we hired Walton, you know, what a how much that he loves um, Draymond. That they were like predicting him and the Kings. I mean, I don't oh, know, but um, which would be interesting. But um, yeah. I mean, how, how they play all that out, especially going into their new, their new arena and the cost of everything. Um, yeah. it'll be interesting, which is why though, too, though, I can see if Katie or Clay or any of them end up leaving, why well, I could see them going for guys like Butler or Harris or those kind of names, you know, that they will have money. So yeah. it's interesting where if those guys leave, now you have a whole nother team to compete with again in free agency. So that is interesting. Yeah. yeah, I haven't thought about that. Like the other guys ending up there after one of the dub, one of the Warrior guys leaves. If they did, yeah. I mean, if they did, yeah. Well, there's just so many unknowns right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be quite an off season. It already has been, and the NBA isn't even fully over yet. But that was all that I had for you, Jill. Is there anything else that you wanted to get in here at all? Um, not really. Just that. Hopefully fans stay realistic and for, you know, with so many teams having cap space right now and good teams um, and max slots that, you know, for as many names as we want to go after, like, and as much as an improvement we made last year, the moves we end up making usually end up being trades rather than free agent signings. So it, it will be interesting to see how much of an impact last year had on this year's free agency and how much of a narrative change, if any, has been made when it comes to free agents and what they think of Sacramento. So it's going to be interesting. Well, thank you, Jill. That is going to do it for this episode of the King's Pulse podcast. Thank you to everybody for listening and you will hear from myself and Rich on Monday.